0: Hi, everyone. Rowan Odom here. We're pleased to showcase Dark Dice, a free horror actual play podcast. Chills and thrills await in this creepy campaign, brought to life with a fully original soundtrack. Follow the heroes as they try to survive the exhaustion, stress, and cold in Domain of the Nameless God, the show's first season. Each new season will follow a new story and cast, including a mix of first-time players and folks you might recognize, like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Combat is edited to be condensed and enjoyable, while still playing true to the dice rolls. Every terrifying monster feels like it's actually in the room with you. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts, or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek him?
1: and you'll get 51% off an annual subscription. And you'll be directly supporting the creation of TSP Network shows. Thanks in advance for checking it out.
0: Brought Brought to you by Twin Strangers Productions.
2: Wasting Company Time presents Tell No Tales Episode 21 Our Own Homes Audio diary of Leo Quinn, assistant to Frank Williamson, director of Better Place. I haven't had a good night's sleep in days. Between trying to help out Riley and find time for another case file, and Julia's been off sick for three days and she's completely off the radar, which means I've had to fill in as Riley's research assistant. But I'm not great at it, so they've decided to plow ahead on their own tonight, which should mean a night of rest for me, but nope, it means a case file, because it's been a couple of days and I really should. Riley's working themselves to the bone, Julia's off god knows where, putting herself in god knows what danger, I can quit being a little bitch and do another late-night case file. Alright, here we go. Case MS number 2241. Category... Oh, shit. Category 3. Well, um... Okay, I mean... It doesn't hurt to read the file. It's the only case I've got. Maybe my last chance to take a case for a while. I could, uh... I mean, I'll read it. I might not take it, but I can read it. Uh... Yeah, um... Category... Uh, three... Case status, active. Reported by Margaret Wilson via email. Initial report. Dear Better Place Customer Service, I run the site maintenance team at Stansted Airport, and I'm writing to report a fairly alarming development with what we are confident now is a haunting. The issue started, we believe, with some passengers reporting an odd feeling when they would meet their friends and family's arrivals. They reported, in one passenger's words, a warm feeling, like one of being loved, but not how it usually feels, more unusual. Obviously, these reports were few and dismissed due to the assumed likelihood at the time that this was just the feeling of being reunited with a loved one. However, several years later, some couples, always couples, would report the airport around them darkening when reunited. The whole place seemed to fall away around them, leaving just the couple, standing in what seemed to be a spotlight in an empty stretch of blackness, ending only when they would step away from each other. Again, I'm sure you can understand why these were dismissed as a cliché, an over-imaginative result of heightened emotions. However, the reports continued over the years, all identical which in itself was concerning, Until last month, we received reports of people's knocked over suitcases and dropped items being caught and returned to them by unseen hands. This, more than anything, has confirmed to us that the reports are connected to a particular ghost who is haunting the arrivals area. We haven't shut the area at the moment, as this would cause enormous disruption, and the spirit appears to be harmless. But we may be able to for a short time if you give us plenty of advance notice of your visit. Kind regards. Ms. Margaret Wilson, Stanford Airport Maintenance. Okay, so... Fairly benevolent manifestations, at least. Uh, what else do we know about this spirit? Um, okay, so Maya was the lead on this. She was thorough enough. She found that the spirit is likely that of a woman called Maruna Volpe a Romanian woman who spent a lot of time in Stansted Airport visiting her long-distance girlfriend in London. The girlfriend, Ashley, actually tried to petition the airport to name the arrivals area after Maruna after her passing, which is how Maya was able to find the connection so easily. Looks like Maruna died in 2003. Cancer. Only 35 years old. Oh. Oh. Uh, she relapsed quite suddenly, it looks like, just a little before she was due to visit Ashley. She became too sick to fly, and passed shortly after. Ashley was never able to say goodbye in person. So, okay, so, she haunts the arrivals of Stansted Airport because it's her happy place. The scene of all these happy reunions, and one she never got to have. And now she watches other happy couples reunite and makes them feel like the only two people in the world. As far as manifestations go, that's pretty wholesome. Shouldn't be scary. Still is, though. Scary, I mean... Terrifying, actually, but... God, if any Category 3 is going to be perfect to ease myself back in, then it's got to be Maruna, right? Right. Ugh. Fuck it. I'll head over now. Gives me less opportunity to chicken out. You want to recount it?
3: I, uh... Um, I think... I think. Hey. Hey, you're a gay. Breathe with me. I've got you. You're safe now. You're home. And I've got you.
2: That's the thing. I was never not safe. Oh, I knew that logically. I just... oh, That was so stupid. <laughs> I don't think that's how trauma works. Yeah, well...
3: Trauma's stupid too. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that guy. It's Riley. They've just seen your miss Cool. They're on their way. Uh, no, they d- they don't have to... It's okay. Looks like they've found something they want to share anyway. And so have I, actually. Don't look at me like that. I can wait until they get here. So, shall I make the notes about the airport?
2: Um, no, uh, no, I'll do it. Uh, let me sit up, though. I... Thank you, but you don't have to, um... Uh, Hold me like that, I'm okay. So, um, uh, I went to arrivals. It was strange, the first time I've had to do that in a busy place. With the last case on the bus, I could just wait for it to empty out, but there's never really a time when the airport isn't busy. I did try to be subtle with the EMF reader, I still got a few strange looks, but hey, what's new? Except when I found her, I just, I choked. I knew that if I just talked to her, sat with her for a while, I knew, I knew it would help. Remind me that she's just a person, no more or less likely to harm me than any other person in that airport. But I couldn't. I couldn't speak, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't even run, I was just Stuck there, stuck in that airport, with the feeling of it all around me, and I, 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 I couldn't- Hey. Hey, you're okay. That's
3: when you called me, right? Or Riley first, but they had their phone off while they were
2: Right. And when you came and sort of talked me off the ledge, we went to a quiet corner. Then you took the EMF meter to see where she was, and spoke to Maruna on your own for a while, and- asked her to follow you to where I was sitting. And when you brought her over, you kind of... introduced us, I suppose. Like you would introduce two perfectly ordinary friends. And that helped, I think. Picturing her just sitting there with us, cross-legged in a quiet corner of the airport. And I started to speak to her then, with the recorder. And it just started feeling routine, I suppose? Yeah, no, it felt routine. Like, I'd done it a thousand times. It was calming, somehow. Like, okay, here's what I know how to do. I might not know how to get a good complete lungful of air in that moment, I might not know how to get my hands to stop shaking, but I do know how to conduct this interview. I know how to nod and listen attentively to words I can't hear as I press my palms against the cold tile I'm sitting on to ground me. I know how to show her I care while I count the distant conversations I can still hear of families and couples and friends to remind me that I'm not in that alley. That I'm safe. Shall we listen to the recording? Yeah, uh, let me just find the file. Mmm, here we go. Um, okay, so, uh, Miruna, can you, uh, tell me a bit about yourself, the basic
4: biographical info, just to start with? Oh, sure. Start with the boring stuff. Why not? My name's Miruna Vulpe, date of birth, 23rd of March, 1968. That... Makes me an Aries, in case you're wondering. Died sometime in, I suppose, the spring of 2003. It was all a bit of a blur. Also, it was, I think, about 20 years ago, so forgive me if I'm a bit hazy on the details.
2: And um, uh, can you tell me a bit about your life?
4: Oh, my life. My wonderful, wonderful life. My life was summer in London, winter in Bucharest, spring and fall spent between both. Sometimes it was just a weekend in London, sometimes it was whole months. Always with Ashley. Being with Ashley and dreaming of being with Ashley were my two favorite things to do. I loved her. So much. But... I loved Bucharest, too. And she loved London. I was a tattoo artist, you know. Damn good at my work. I had a portfolio that would make a renaissance artist feel unproductive. I could have up and moved to London if I wanted. Would have found the clients wherever I went. And Ashley was a doctor, she could have found a job anywhere, too. Her Romanian was... well... it was okay. It was getting better. She could have come to Bucharest, too. But the thing about home is, well, it doesn't always stay home when you spend too long away from it. But me and Ashley, we loved each other. Enough to know that time, distance, those things wouldn't be a problem. Difficult, of course, but nothing we couldn't handle. We meant the world to each other. But... We were not each other's whole worlds. We had our own lives, our own homes, and the fact that our lives were able to intertwine when we could manage it, that was a blessing of its own. And we both had brilliant lives, full of those kinds of blessings. The kind that you could, theoretically, live without, but it wouldn't be nearly so fun. Or I did, had I mean. Past tense. Hopefully she still has. So to sum up, in general, my life was awesome. Does that answer your question?
2: And can you tell me a bit about your afterlife being
4: tethered here to the airport? (laughs) Yeah, the airport. Weird choice, I know. I'm not actually sure I chose it. I suppose it's a case of the spirit wants what the spirit wants. It does make sense, though, a little. Whenever I dream of being with Ashley, especially after spending so much of the winter apart, I imagine the small things. Being curled up together in bed, a hand reaching out, fingertips over hair, across temples, behind ears, closed eyes and contented smiles. But when a visit was close, a trip booked, A flight coming up. That's when I'd picture here. This place. The moment I'd see her, and she'd see me, and her whole face would light up. And we'd run. Bags forgotten, crowds ignored, and it would just be the two of us. It wasn't always perfect, of course. Two women in the 90s. Sometimes we got catcalled, sometimes worse. Things seem different now. Not completely, but better. I see so many couples here every day. Most times, nobody looks twice at the two women kissing. The two men, foreheads resting together, smiling. But just in case, I do what I can to help them. To make them feel like the world isn't there anymore. Most times, they barely notice. I love it when that happens. They're so lost in each other, they can't even tell what's happening is paranormal. It's been about 15 years since I got here, and it's not the worst place to spend eternity. Lots of people watching. Lots to learn, too. I feel very old sometimes. The world has changed so much. But, lucky for me, I have all the time in the world to keep up with it. Thanks, Maruna. I'm not sure
2: if you're aware that Better Place has been called to remove your spirit from here. I'd like to know your feelings about this, if you don't mind.
4: My feelings are a big fat no thank you. You're telling me I'm just now able to touch things, to interact with the world again like a living person? And now I'm going to have that taken away from me? Sure, it isn't ideal that I'm trapped in an airport, but I can still have a life. I could set up my own little tattoo booth, give out stick and pokes to bored people waiting for delayed flights.
2: And before I go, is there anything else you'd like to say? Anything you'd like to pass on to anyone living?
4: Not Ashley. Don't tell Ashley I'm here. I've seen her here a couple of times, you know. But I don't want her to know. She deserves to move on. I do have a sister back in Bucharest. If you could find her, I'd like that. But no. Other than that, I said everything I needed to say in life with my art. That's all that matters.
3: Hey. Reckon if I brought my own stick and poke kit to the airport I could get a to... I'm going to
2: answer that before I think too hard about what you just asked.
3: What? She's a trained professional.
2: Jesus, Riley, did you run here from the tube? You okay? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Julia's here. I'm fine, honestly.
5: Julia, are they lying?
2: Yeah, only
3: a bit. It's been a rough night, but they're handling it.
2: Wow. Just loving this new shift in dynamic between you two.
3: Hey, a shared goal will do that to a person. Oh, I had news. I almost forgot what was...
2: Sorry. Don't you dare apologise. Nothing to
3: apologise for. Uh, I... I, Julia, your news... Right, yeah. So, I've been tailing Frank. You've been what? what? Death wish? Jill, I was fine. I did it for three days and he never saw me. I'm pretty sneaky. (laughs) Anyway, so, these workshops he's been going to... Not workshops. He's been at the warehouse. Yep, hours at a time. And most of the night, too. Usually stays until about one in the morning. So he's definitely doing something in there. He comes out all exhausted. Usually looks pissed all the way off.
5: I actually don't know how this connects, but I found something, too. I've been looking into the early records of Mortarine on Morden there's still some stuff floating around, ledgers, some correspondence, a surprising amount considering it's a couple centuries ago. But then, around the 1970s, a little while after it becomes better place and goes corporate, radio silence? Nothing at all. We know that Montgomery Whitley was succeeded by his son Edgar in 1936, right? And then Edgar's son Edward in 1970. So we can just assume that Edward was probably still director for a while, But there's no information on when he retired, or who took over before Frank, except this.
2: Uh, I'm lost. Yeah, what are we supposed to be looking at?
5: Uh, This is an old archive copy of a local newspaper. A tiny village in Yorkshire, the kind of newspaper that, if a company was hiding from the press, or public record, they might not think to check. See this article?
2: Making our village a better place? Last Tuesday, tensions were stirred up when the ever-growing national company Better Place was called by the village council to remove the spirit affectionately known to some as Smoky Joe.
5: Right. And then, here, look. Better Place is a London-based company which was once a small operation but seems to have plans for world domination, spearheaded by their new director, Edward Whitley. Pictures above. That can't be. No, it can't. But it's uncanny, right?
2: I... maybe it's... I mean, the picture isn't the best quality, it's it's clearly just been snapped on his way out of the building.
3: Yeah, it's not the best picture, but... I'm not crazy, right? Candid or not, that's definitely... I mean, you know him best, Leo. Do you think?
2: Yeah. That looks like
3: Frank. But it can't be, surely. He looks the same age there. If he was roughly in his forties then, that'd make him, like.
5: Old as balls, yeah. Fuck.
3: Yeah. So I've given this some thought, I swear, but this just solidifies it. We need to find out what Frank's up to. We need to break into the back room of the warehouse.
5: (laughs) Not a chance in hell. We absolutely are doing that.
2: This is too much. (sighs) I think I need a minute. Episode 21 of Tell No Tales, Our Own Homes, was written and performed by Leanne Egan. You also heard the voices of Shannon Kelly as Julia, Phil Thompson as Riley, and Anna Balach as Maruna Vulpe. And if that last name sounds familiar, that's because Anna does the cover art for our show, so everyone give it up to Anna for being multi-talented. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is to spread the word. Leaving us a rating and a review in your listening app of choice is a huge help. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at TellNoTalesPod. Links and information about transcripts can be found in the show notes. Tell No Tales is distributed by Wasting Company Time Productions. Under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International License. Thank you for listening. And remember the dead don't bite.